Well, good morning. I had to watch that video because I hadn't seen it yet. Did you like it? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so for those who don't know me, I'm Kelly Honest, and I'm the executive director of Toledo Gospel Rescue Mission. Um, I am in my third year um, as executive director. But Toledo Gospel Rescue Mission has been in Toledo for 68 years. Um, I find I, that I spend my time differentiating between Cherry Street and myself, which I don't enjoy, but that's okay. Um, but what we do is we actually have a fourfold ministry. We have the men's shelter, which has our longest running ministry in it, um, where we service men who are, have, are coming off of the street with basic emergency shelter and try to encourage them to work through our what we call Shepherd's Program, which is an accountability program and helps them go from homelessness to work ready. Um, and that can address issues from addiction to depression to PTSD to just simply down on your luck. And we walk them through a process all the way to healing to where they're work ready. Um, we also have Rebecca's Haven, which takes in single mothers and their small children. It actually started out as a homeless women's shelter, but we found we were turning away more mothers than we were having women come in. And so we decided that it would be best served to serve the fastest growing demographic in homelessness today, which is children. And so we serve women and children. We can house up to 21 moms and three children each at any given time. Right now we're at 60% capacity. Um, that what we do there is we actually create a safe haven for the children while mom walks through the traumas that she's experienced in life and is able to then get back out on her feet. We have an outreach center that ministers primarily to the North Toledo Five Points area. That is actually the number one area, according to the police, for gang recruitment. And so we are in the process, and you saw the outreach center there, of, of remodeling the outreach center so that we can reach the youth of Toledo before the gangs do and provide them with knowledge on what it means to be a neighbor and what it means to have purpose and what it means to have Jesus Christ as the center of your life. And then we also have what we call our Mission Mall, which is right here in downtown Toledo, that actually hands out clothing, gives away furniture, gives away household items on a, on a daily basis right here in downtown Toledo to anyone in need. Um, and that all comes from people like you who donate when you do your spring cleaning, which is coming up shameless plug there, um, your used items that you don't need anymore. And so I just wanted to take a minute and say thank you, especially to Pastor Kirk. Um, you guys do a great job of, of reaching out to the local community. It's really important um, when leaders like us come up here on stage that you know that missionary service isn't over, always overseas. It, it is necessary overseas. We're supposed to love and care for our neighbors overseas. But what about your neighbor down the street? Let me tell you some of our successes. We have a mom who went through our Rebecca's Haven program. She came in, she had nowhere else to go. Mom had turned her away, sister had turned her away. She's now graduated from Rebecca's Haven and is pursuing her nursing degree while working a full-time job and housed. We have a gentleman who came into our men's shelter seven years ago and he made a whole lot of bad choices, but walked through the program, got the help he needed, has actually been able to reestablish a relationship with her, his son's mother and is able to see him, and now works full time at Toledo Gospel Rescue Mission, encouraging other men who are coming in off of the street to walk through that same program. This is what the gospel can do. 
And that's why it's at the center of our name. And that's why it's at the center of everything we do. Because the first broken relationship recorded was the one between us and God. And until that core is repaired, we can fix things, but it's never going to satisfy what's going on inside, what's going on, what the root cause was. So we take people who are at their least and bring them to a place where restoration can happen with God by giving them physical food so that we can give them the bread of life. Because that's what really satisfies. And so that's what I wanted to just come here and thank you guys for helping us to do. With your support, with your volunteerism, with your used couch, you're helping us to bring the bread of life to people who desperately need it. Thank you. Thank you for the time today. Well, good morning, church. My name is Jason Horton. I'm the uh, founder and CEO at True North Ministries. And uh, this summer, we're going to celebrate 10 years of being in 43608, the Old North End, which is, uh, thank you. <laughs> I probably wouldn't still be there, but I didn't want to get swallowed by a whale. So, um, yeah, I have to say thank you for the way that you've supported True North Ministries and just being alongside me as I've grown as a leader and as an individual. Um, I want to show you a couple updates about the things that we did uh, last year because of your support. We were able to uh, purchase this gorgeous property uh, after it was torn down <laughs> and uh, burned out. And uh, that will soon be converted into parking. We have problems with hit and runs all the time. And so we're looking to uh, facilitate off-street parking for those who come and attend our services. And you can switch that next slide. I like that a lot better. <laughs> so that's our ministry building there. Um, and also for the tenants who live at our ministry, they will be extremely thankful when they have the opportunity to not get sideswiped on a weekly basis. Um, Something else big that I can announce is that we finally have a website after about a year and a half. We got it back going. There it is, truenorthtoledo.org, and probably the best thing, speaking of writing checks, Kirk, you don't have to do it anymore. You can actually donate online. And I want to say a huge thank you to Pastor Michael, who's really uh, kind of helped me dig out of what has felt like an overwhelming uh, pit of discouragement. Uh, we lost our 501c3 sponsorship. They, uh, that parent company, so to speak, moved on to do different things, and they helped set us up as a church. So we're now officially True North Toledo Church, which is fantastic, and I love those folks and are thankful for their help doing that. Um, and this is going to help. Uh, that, that, that process has been hard for me. Uh, to learn. I didn't come here to be Mr. Bookkeeper guy, Mr. Paperwork guy. I came here to be uh, Mr. Ministry guy, and uh, turns out that there's a lot of bookkeeping and paperwork in ministry. So uh, check out truenorthtoledo.org, especially as uh, time goes on. We're going to be adding uh, additional tabs, pictures of our uh, campus and our facility, and the things that we're doing from our community garden to our Tipping Point Fields Ministries to the prayer walks that we're doing. That's all online, and I'm not going to talk to you about it today. Uh, because I want to share with you where I see God moving in my community. And uh, the story starts back in 2021 
we had 11 homicides in our community. That was 11 people whose lives were taken uh, by murder. 13 ABC rolled out the top five most dangerous streets in Toledo. Three out of five of those streets were in my neighborhood. Number one was Stryker Street, which is where our ministry is located at. Uh, number three was Elm Street, which is where I live. <laughs> Not great. So um, we uh, were trying to figure out as a community, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do to make a difference in what's going on? And a random donation of Bibles and a pair of combat boots showed up at the ministry. I literally did not know who did it. It took me a while to track down where they even came from. Uh, but I heard God saying to me when I found them, it's time to put boots on the ground. So last year, we started praying every Sunday at 3 p.m. We got together a collection of neighbors, a collection of folks from other churches to come out and say, hey, will you just join us for just a brief prayer meeting every Sunday, 3 p.m. And uh, I want to show you the next slide there. These are the statistics and how they've changed. Dark blue lines are homicides within the city of Toledo. The light blue lines, maybe a little harder to see, are the homicides within our neighborhood. We had three homicides last year, down from 11, which is significant. Those three, uh, and, and use this number however you want to, those three homicides occurred, each of them following a week where we were unable to meet for prayer, where we didn't have a gathering. And I, I don't have the time today. Um, I want to share about the miracles. God really redeemed the time and the discouragement that we felt as a community uh, in the wake of those things. But I just kept hearing God say, do you want to see the kingdom advance like I want to see the kingdom advance? And to be clear, preventing death is just half the battle, right? So if we have someone live to the ripe old age of 150 and they die apart from Christ and spend eternity apart from Christ, that to me is not a positive outcome. But you only get to accept the gospel this side of the grave. So God's calling, what, what's next, what's next? And the stirring in my heart has been to mobilize. So we started doing prayer walks every Thursday, 5 p.m. Um, and Surprisingly, uh, much more people are interested in doing a weekday uh, afternoon or evening prayer walk than they are Sunday 3 p.m. Uh, prayer meeting. And so I was going to cancel it, and one of my neighbors called me and said, Hey, do you see what God did last year? We can't stop that. So now he's in charge of the Sunday at 3 p.m. prayer. <laughs> so, um, which is great. And I'm so thankful uh, for my neighbor Jameson leading that. But we're mobilizing. Last week we picked up trash while we were... Uh, prayer walking. Other weeks we've gone to lay hands on people. We'll uh, start building this out to be a missional rhythm where we are now reaching people. The locations that we're going, that we're meeting together, are places where homicides have occurred, where the most violence is happening. We're going to those places to put boots on the ground to affect them with the kingdom of God. And we're praying that God does what only God can do. There's a lot of stuff that we can't affect, that we can't stop. But as long as it's up to us, we are going to do what we can do as the church with all the fire of our faith. Until there's no more breaching of walls. Until there's no more going to captivity. Until there's no more cry of distress in our streets. Um, in addition to prayer, we're wanting to add a monthly worship night. 
We've done it twice so far. Uh, now this is my buddy Corey worshiping. Isn't that a nice sanctuary? <laughs> we, uh, we lack excellent facilities to do that, and your monthly support of True North is helping us build out a stage. I'm not kidding you. When they tore up the carpet out of your hallway, I took those used carpet squares and we're building a stage and putting the, <laughs> the old carpet squares down. Um, we're going to do what it takes for God to be worshipped in our community, for Christ to be exalted in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. And your support is making a huge difference in our ability to have adequate tools. Um, lastly, this, this year I want to start a block watch meeting because it's a really easy excuse to get people who are in the community, not just the mad, the bad, and the sad, but people who really want to make a difference in the community and, and don't know how to make that difference yet, we want to invite them into our uh, worship space to come and do that. Um, we don't have a bathroom for them to use. Uh, this is our bathroom. This is a really good look, huh? Um, <laughs> we, I'm not going to waste your time talking about one more bathroom. I know you guys are sick of me talking about bathrooms when I come up here for things we're fundraising for. No more potty talk. If you're interested in seeing this vision come to life and succeed, which it, I'll fill you in on the details. We're pretty far along. Uh, come and get with me because we want to provide spaces where we can facilitate the worship of God, where we can facilitate the development of community, where we can continue to build this out. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you for loving me like a family. And for, I mean, really the way that you have wrapped around uh, both my family and True North uh, Ministries has been so amazing. And I just don't know if I'd be here without it. Um, I'm reminded of Andy Minio, a Christian rapper, uh, recently gave his own spin to an old African proverb uh, where he says, you want to go somewhere fast, do it by your lonely. You want to have a blast? better bring the homies. So <laughs> we're not going anywhere fast and it feels immensely discouraging. Living in this mess feels discouraging. But we're having a blast and we're seeing the kingdom of God expand. So uh, to everyone who supported us, to you as a congregation, thanks homie. Good morning, church. My name is Kimberly. I'm a coordinator for community sustainability at Cherry Street Mission Ministries. In 1947, Jesse and Bertha Fleck, affiliated with this community, answered the call to missions by founding Cherry Street Mission as a soup kitchen over 75 years ago. The call to missions that they received from God all those many years ago resounds today. Cherry Street Mission Ministries' mission and purpose is to eradicate poverty of body, mind, and soul. Today, Cherry Street has grown extensively over the past 75 years, thanks to generous partners as yourself, serving over 1,700 annually and has become the largest shelter in Northwest Ohio and continues to answer the call to missions 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Cherry Street houses single adult females at Sparrow's Nest and single adult males at the men's house. Cherry Street opened the Life Revitalization Center, the old Mack Humber High School at 1501 Monroe Street. 
The LRC includes the Mac Street Cafe, where our guests are provided with three hot meals a day. Aside from meals, the LRC has become the hub for education, training, mental health support from our community partners. It is also home to workforce development program, which assists in job readiness and job placement, GED preparation, computer skills lab, and career classes such as auto tech, welding, and office specialists, which is starting soon. Cherry Street is pleased to collaborate with community partners, Northwest State Community College, Owens Community College, Penta Career Center, and Catholic Charities Opportunity Kitchen and others to provide viable career training opportunities to our communities. The past offerings include culinary skills, tool and die, and building trades. Cherry Street has also been innovative in reaching the needs of a dynamic community. In mid-2022, Cherry Street, in collaboration with Unison Behavioral Health, launched Caleb House, which is located directly behind the men's house. It is a transitional home to four male residents who are working toward independence in order to transition out of the congregate setting of the shelter system and reintegrate successfully into the community. Its model and focus is on independent living. We have had one graduate from the program who is doing well and residing locally in his own apartment. The exciting news in the, in the forefront is Hope House, which, as you know, is a joint venture between First Alliance and Cherry Street. It is located at 2102 Brookwood Avenue. It is now the new home to the medical respite program, which will launch on Monday, March 13, 2023. You are cordially invited to attend the open house, which is scheduled for Wednesday, March 8th, from 2 to 3.30. The medical respite program is a collaboration with the Neighborhood Health Association, Medical Partners, Unison Behavioral Health, and Toledo Lucas County Homelessness Board. It is a six-bed facility which will house individuals experiencing housing insecurities who are preparing for, recovering from medical procedures, hospitalizations, or generally are in need of a safe place to heal from an illness or injury. Now remember, you heard this first here. Coming this summer, Workforce Development Food Truck. Workforce Development is pleased to announce that they are launching a teaching food truck as our first entrepreneurial, excuse me, our first social enterprise intervention. It is designed to teach culinary and entrepreneurial skills, plus provide supportive employment in hopes that this will be the first of several SEI ventures. And another program, Community Sustainability. It's a program that I'm blessed to work with. The Community Sustainability Program continues the groundwork laid in the Ready for Life Program. Graduates of the Ready for Life Program or those guests who have chosen to leave residential services due to achieving their housing goal are invited to be part of this year-long program. The goal of the program is to journey alongside the graduate and offer an additional layer of support and advocacy for the graduate and help to eliminate barriers to sustainability in the community. Community sustainability offers an aftercare Bible study, monthly educational group meetings, advocacy, monthly site visits, and touch-based meetings with the CSP coordinator. Uh, we are also collaborating 
with uh, our discipleship manager and our community churches to provide discipleship and support. And I'm pleased to say that Pastor Mikkel and Pastor Will, along of course with Pastor Kirk, have been uh, very helpful to me and have advised me and are continuing to support me in this endeavor. As you can see, Cherry Street is busy and on the move, but we need help. Cherry Street Mission Ministries is interested in partnering with men and women and faith communities such as this one to continue the mission begun by the Flex over 75 years ago to er eradicate poverty in all its forms. If you're interested in partnering or serving with us, please contact us at cherrystreetmission.org. Thank you, First Alliance Church, for your continued unwavering support and partnership. God bless you. My name is Angela Hickman Richburg, and I am the principal of the Rosa Parks Elementary School. So today is Rosa Day, and this is a ritual and a tradition that we created for our students to learn more about our namesake and their history. She was the mother of the Civil Rights Movement. She was um, an inspiration to some people, including myself, because of the stuff that she did to help others and how she let them know that, like, no matter what your skin color is, you can do things that nobody else has done before. We celebrate Rosa Parks' birthday, um, but it's not just about her birthday. It's about what she did for the civil rights movement, for African Americans, and um, she fought for our freedom, our rights. Our students uh, did activities like creating an edible bus. They had a live podcast where they were able to compare and contrast uh, the Montgomery bus boycott with Black Lives Matter, for example. Students created Rosa Parks t-shirts. It was on a paper form, but it was different elements of what Rosa Parks liked. We did uh, like a Rosa Parks shirt, like so things about us and things about Rosa Parks, like where she came from, like from Tuskegee, uh, Alabama, what was her job, and like things about us. My favorite activity today was making the Rosa Parks shirts. We had a Rosa Parks dance, a Rosa Parks hustle. In junior high, they did a civil rights era uh, picture walk. You know, we have people in the community, one of our grandmothers, um, she read a book to the students and the students were able to ask questions um, as though she was Rosa Parks. Knowing their history is extremely important, our history. And so we deemed it as a, a team, as a school to make sure we were intentional about them learning about Rosa Parks. It only takes one person to stand up for what you believe in, stand up for what is right. Because we have future leaders here. They are our future. So if Rosa could do it, they can do it too. My name is W. Asia Taylor. Chanel Phoenix. Angela Hickman Richburg, and I am TPS Brown. Good morning. I just wanted to share how impactful First Alliance has been to Rosa Parks as we try and improve our culture and climate at our school. Um, as you just saw, this was an example of really um, 
a tradition that we have, which is Rose the Day, but more importantly, it is about our community partnerships, it's about our stakeholders, it's about our students, it's about our parents, and everyone improving our culture. So with First Alliance, we have our wonderful Wednesdays. They are still running smoothly. Yes, yes, thank you. So what that looks like is on Wednesdays, we start our morning with prayer. So we have, I know, Miss Pat and Miss Bobby. They pray throughout the building on Wednesday mornings prior to school starting. Then we have an enjoyable snack for our staff. And that's one area, staff morale, and improving that, it goes a long way. So we really appreciate that. Uh, in addition to that, we have the pantry. And so Rosa Parks teachers has the opportunity to go to the pantry and collect items for their classrooms. So those are just some of the items that we have in place that you all are a part of. Um, prayer is so key. So it, we, are, we are in some perilous times and just to have um, someone in the building and to know we are covered means a lot. Uh, I did bring my counselor today, Ms. Phoenix, and um, as we were hearing about how you all are collecting donations or fundraising, she said we should do a penny war. We have a house system, so we have our house of wisdom, our house of integrity, courage, optimism, and resilience. So I'm gonna take this back, right? Because it is about reciprocity, not just sewing into us, but how can our students and our staff give back? So that's all I wanted to share. We thank you, and um, just know we are making every opportunity to improve our culture and climate. We are TPS proud. Thank you. Um, I'm Janelle Metzger. I'm the executive director of Water for Ishmael, which is a ministry here in Toledo, Ohio. Um, we serve the immigrant and international community, both at the University of Toledo and also refugees and other immigrants that come to our area. We want to make sure that they are welcomed in the name of Jesus. I just want to say thank you so much. It's nice to be home again. I know this isn't my home church, but it always feels like it. So when I get to come here once a year, it's so nice to be home again. Thank you for having me. Um, you have been part of our mission in so many ways. So many of you are regularly volunteering both inside our building and outside our building. And by outside our building, I don't just mean on the grounds, because Paul Ackerman's doing that, but um, even in homes of internationals and immigrants throughout the city and and thank you thank you so much for the way that you are loving well it is a beautiful thing um you've been with us from the time when we just had a handful of women around my dining room table um, to our big growth at washington church and now to our very own 12,000 square foot building where we're already scratching our heads about finding more desks and desk space. Um, God is really good. You have cared for the people that God's brought to Water Fresh Mill, but you've also cared for us. And you've cared for 
are building their facility. You've made it more beautiful. You've really made it a testimony to God's love for the nations. If you haven't been to our building yet, please come and tour. Um, Mariah, who led worship this morning, is our volunteer coordinator. She loves giving tours. And our whole building is themed around the woman at the well. So throughout the building, you'll see pictures of people from different countries at wells. Um, and it's just, it's really cool. Um, this year we're celebrating our 20th anniversary, if you can believe that. Um, yeah, it was 20 years ago in January that we had that first English class around my dining room table, and God has just grown it and grown it. I'm supposed to tell you, if you don't know, this Friday we have an international dinner that is coming up. Um, it's really a fun event where our students do all of the cooking and you get to enjoy a buffet from around the world. You get to sit at a table with a student and a staff member so that you can actually get to know them personally. Um, our capacity is about 400 people for that total event, and we take up 100 just between our staff and our students to service that, and I think there might be about 50 tickets left for that. So um, if you haven't gotten a ticket yet, there still are some available. So um, I'm sure all of us remember the summer of 2021 when the airlifts were happening out of Afghanistan. and. It was very emotional for us as a nation. Um, there were politics involved in our emotions, but also just this very human element of people so desperate to get to a place that would be safe. People who had served our government during the time that we were there that were sure they would be killed if they stayed. Um, there's a story of a, a family that um, the grandmother had a green card. And so several members of this family surrounded this grandmother, pushed their way through the crowds at the airport, holding up that one green card. And the whole family was able to get through and get out and get to safety. That family came to Toledo, Ohio, and was resettled here as refugees. Just yesterday, we had three young Afghan men start their first set of English lessons specifically in the subject of welding. They are preparing in the next month to learn all of the welding words and phrases so that in April they can join Cherry Street's vocational program. They're already enrolled, so we have three young men that in about four or five months' time will be coming out as professional welders and will be able to support their families. It's really cool. We're so excited about that. So the thing about these Afghans, um, they're doing well right now, but when they first arrived in Toledo, it didn't actually go so well, and it went even worse um, for some other Afghans that arrived in Toledo. We know this because in the fall of 2021, we started getting weekly phone calls from people, Afghan families in distress, and there were all kinds of things that were happening from medical emergencies to lack of food 
to um, just loneliness, isolation, lack of English education, um, all kinds of needs that weren't being met. And our dedicated staff were working overtime and off the clock to try and meet the needs of these families as they just sort of were dropped on us. Um, and you know, after doing this for a couple months, we started kind of going, you know, we could do this. Like we, we're already doing this, so we could do this. Um, with refugee resettlement. The thing is, the way refugee resettlement works in the U.S., since 1980, so for the last 43 years, the way refugee resettlement has worked in the U.S. is that there are vetted agencies that do refugee resettlement. And so we were not one of those agencies that had been designated by the U.S. government to do resettlement. So our hands were kind of tied in terms of being able to meet and bring people and, and bring them into our community in the way that we felt it should be done. So we just started praying. And um, we prayed that God would open doors for us to have more direct involvement with refugees coming to specifically the Toledo area um, so, that, so that that resettlement process could happen in an orderly and a kind and a well-done way. But apparently that vision and that dream was not big enough for God. January 19th of this year, the government, the U.S. government made a historic change in how refugee resettlement has happened. Now, any of you that are my age or older might remember in the 1970s, the boat people. Anybody remember the boat people from the 1970s? They were from Vietnam, and they were largely brought here through volunteerism and through largely churches that would get together and they would bring a family in and they would help them to find a place to live, to get jobs, to learn English, get the kids enrolled in school. All of that happened through a volunteer situation. But since 1980, that has not been how it's done. But on January 19th of this year, our government announced a new branch of refugee resettlement called Welcome Corps. Welcome Corps is a volunteer resettlement branch of refugee resettlement. This is going to allow churches across the U.S. to resettle refugees, to welcome them in the name of Jesus. That's not been possible for over 40 years. It's a tremendous opportunity for the gospel. And let me just give you one example. Let's go back to the boat people. So today, in Vietnam, 8% of the population says that they are Christians. Today, in the U.S., 34% of Vietnamese background immigrants say they are Christians. What do you think happened? So this is a tremendous opportunity for the church across America 
to engage with people who may not have ever heard the gospel or ever met a Christian in their entire life, but to be able to love on a family and bring them in and be the welcoming force behind that. So at Water for Ishmael, we're super excited, and we are gearing up to help small groups from churches all over Toledo to do this important work. We're learning and we're documenting the processes, we're creating checklists, and we're looking to hire coaches for these volunteer groups so that they can joyfully welcome strangers in Jesus' name. Incidentally, just as this volunteer resettlement program was being launched nationwide, our local resettlement agency was shutting down. It's not interesting, God's timing. We don't really know what's going to happen with the formal agency process in Toledo, but we do know that God has answered the prayers of our hearts, and he's opened the doors so that his church can continue welcoming the stranger here. All of this is going to take more staff, more desks, more money, more space, but God seems to continue to open doors. Now, I'll just share a little secret with you, and I've got people on staff here who are probably going to throw stuff at me for saying it way ahead of time, but I don't know what God's doing. But the same weekend we found out that the agency in Toledo was shutting down, the building next door to us became vacant. I don't know if that's for us or not, but it sure is interesting timing, isn't it? I can't wait to see what God's about to do. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just thrilled to be doing this with you um, as our church partners. And um, yeah, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for doing this with us for 20 years. And um, hold on tight, because I think this next year might be a really fun ride. <laughs> So, um, I'm supposed to also give you a little bit of a word from the Lord to kind of wrap things up um, from everything that we've heard today. And, you know, we've heard so much today about how God is at work all over our city. And, and uh, I just wrote a few notes down. Kelly talked about um, children being one of the biggest homeless groups right now. Jason talked about the homicides and life-saving prayer. He talked about going slow and how it's both joyful and discouraging at the same time. Kimberly told us about Hope House and about workforce development and social enterprise that's happening at Cherry Street. And Angela talked about improving culture and climate. Um, so what I'd like to do is take some insights and examples from the sons of Issachar in the Old Testament. So the sons of Issachar are very briefly mentioned in the Old Testament. It's in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, and I'm just going to read a few verses from 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Verse 23 says, These are the numbers of men armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him, as the Lord had said. And then it starts listing all the different groups that came. We get down to verse 32, and it says, From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do, 200 chiefs 
with all their relatives under their command. And then it lists some more people that came. And then at the very end it says, all these were fighting men who volunteered to serve in the ranks. They came to Hebron fully determined to make David king over all Israel. All the rest of the Israelites were also of one mind to make David king. The men spent three days there with David, eating and drinking, for their families had supplied provisions for them. Also their neighbors as far away as Issachar, Issachar again, Zebulun and Naphtali came bringing food on donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen. Would have liked to have seen that. There were plentiful supplies of flour, fig cakes, raisin cakes, wine, olive oil, cattle, and sheep, for there was joy in Israel. And I was thinking about this time frame when this happened. So originally, God had anointed Saul as king over, Eng as king over Israel, and Saul did many good and wonderful things, especially early on as a king. And the normal thing in a kingdom would be to have kingship pass in peaceful succession along the bloodlines of the family. It makes even more sense logically that a king chosen and appointed by God should have an enduring legacy for years to come. And I'm wondering if the people of Israel in that time were confused by what they saw. Saul was anointed. He led battles. He showed great leadership and faith. His son Jonathan was a good man, possibly one who could stand on the shoulders of his father and lead the people well in government and in the fear of the Lord. David distinguished himself as a mighty warrior, loyal to Saul, and the best friend of Jonathan. But the next thing you know, David's public enemy number one, and he goes into hiding from Saul for years. Well, after a very long time, both Saul and Jonathan were killed in a battle on the same day. And the country began to take sides on, as to whether a descendant of Saul should wear the crown or whether David should be brought back to be the next king. I'm sure there were lots of discussions in the coffee shops and around the dinner tables as to what was the right course of action. It's easy for us to look back and go, well, obviously David was God's choice, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't that clear at that time. So the Bible tells us groups of people who came to join David and make him king, and there's this one little sentence about one of those groups. Men from Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. Men who understood the times. These must have been men who were looking for signs of God at work and what that was pointing to. They understood that Saul's time was past and that David was the man of God's choosing. Perhaps they'd seen David trust in God or heard the worship music that he wrote. Or maybe they heard how he walked integrity with integrity, refusing to kill Saul even when he had multiple opportunities. Perhaps they saw how God continued to protect him and bless him and make a way for him, and they recognized the blessing of God on David. We don't know exactly, but we do know they understood. 
they were able to discern God's hand in a thing and know his will. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. These weren't just people who went by themselves to align with God and what he was doing. Because they understood the times and knew what the people should do, they took leadership and they brought relatives and others along with them. They encouraged others to take action to do what needed to be done. And then at the end it says, also their neighbors from as far away as Issachar, Zebulun, and Naphtali came bringing food on donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen. They were plentiful supplies of flour, fig cakes, raisin cakes, wine, olive oil, cattle, and sheep, for there was joy in Israel. Along with the men who knew what Israel should do and who brought people with them, they also brought food, supplies, and support to celebrate what was happening. You heard today of so many different opportunities to bring food, supplies, and support to, to come along with what God is doing. And so today, I'd just like to challenge you to think about all that you have heard about what the Lord is doing in our city right now. Is there anything that stands out to you? Is there a pattern of movement of his spirit right now? How can we understand our times? I really encourage you to seek God's wisdom to understand our times and what you personally should do with the rest of 2023 and beyond. If God has given you a better understanding of the times and what should be done through these ministry reports, the next step is to take action. What has God called you to do to support what he is doing in our city right now? How can you show leadership and bring others along to walk in alignment with God's work in our city? And finally, in what ways can you provide support and celebration to what God is doing? Let us not only leave here rejoicing that God is at work, but that God, as our friend, has allowed us a look into his plan for our city. He's done this because he wants us to understand the times. He wants us to give leadership to others for what needs to be done. And he wants us to support and celebrate his work. I love that final sentence. There were plentiful supplies of flour, figs, cakes, raisin cakes, wine, olive oil, cattle, and sheep. For there was joy in Israel. There was joy. It's been our experience in the last 20 years at Waterfresh Mill that God, there's a thing that God gives when we obey, and it's joy. If God has spoken to you today about a way in which you need to respond to your better understanding of the times, I encourage you to walk in obedience because God has joy waiting for you. 
let's just give this morning to God. Father God, we praise your name for all that you are doing in our city, the things that you've let us see, and there's so many more things that you're doing that we don't even know about. But God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts today and that you would be clear so that we can walk in obedience to what you are doing, to what you are saying. God, help us to walk in alignment with what you are doing in this city. We love you, Father. We give our lives to you and to serving you in the precious and wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.